0: This podcast is brought to you by Talbot County, Maryland, the birthplace of Frederick Douglass. Visit frederickdouglassbirthplace.org to begin your journey into his life. Driving tours, history, and Douglass in his own words at frederickdouglassbirthplace.org. And we're back again. Uh-oh. Frederick Douglass leaves Dublin and goes on to Cork. Could you tell
1: us about his stay in Cork? Yeah. So, Douglass had a highly successful stay in Dublin. Very, very productive. Took the coach, took the Bianconi coach down the East Coast. Spoke for two nights in Wexford. Spoke for a night in Waterford. And then stayed in Cork for three or four weeks. Here he stayed with the Jennings family. The Jennings were business people, self-made business people. They had, Mr. Jennings had his own, ran his own business where he made soda water and vinegar. There were eight children in the family, uh, three boys and five girls, a very lively, challenging, vivacious, interested group of young people um, interested in politics, interested in reform. And they said of Douglas that because they are were such a vivacious crowd of 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 young people that not everybody um survived their inquisitions but they, <laughs> they all liked Douglas, nobody disliked Douglas, none of the eight disliked Douglas, and he liked them a lot. They got on very well, and he spent three weeks with them living in, living, living with them. them in Brown Street, which is just parallel to Patrick Street. And is now gone because the pastry shopping center is on the site. Oh. So one of the girls in particular, Isabel, was a particularly close friend of his and she said quite quickly in correspondence, she said of Douglas that she felt that by the end of the trip that they would she, they would understand each other very well and that they would be very close, which they were and which they did. So the Jennings house became his base. From which he went to meetings. He spoke at several meetings, several very large meetings, and from which he went walking with with the girls. Um, they they walked up and down Patrick Street, South Mall, Oliver Plunkett Street, um, along by the keys. enjoyed enjoyed each other's company, and they there was never any question about um, a black gentleman, an African American gentleman, walking with the, the Jennings sisters whereas in England and in well not so much in England but in America in particular this would be frowned upon immediately and Douglas made was very quick to make use of this episode of his uh, this experience in the British Isles now the Jennings sisters Isabel Jennings along with her sisters they were very involved in anti slavery Isabel was the secretary of the Cork Ladies' Anti-Slavery Society. They were quite an active group of ladies. And each year they gathered boxes of sewing, knitting, crochet, needlework, embroidery, um, toys, whatever they could gather, boxed them up and sent them over to Boston, to the Boston Bazaar, the Boston Anti-Slavery Bazaar. And it was said in correspondence that the gifts from Ireland and England always um, got the highest prices, they were the most valued. So Isabel Jennings was always very involved in this, so much so that during the famine, particularly in 1847, she wrote to the American abolitionist circles that she she apologised to them because the proceeds that she was sending over to the Boston Bazaar that year were slimmer than usual because because of the famine, there were huge demands on their resources now. Mm. So, it wasn't, her interest in anti-slavery did not just circle around Douglas. It was there before he came. It continued after he left. But he would have kept that interest going. Now, Isabel Jennings <clears throat> provided an interesting foil to Garrison, because, uh, or sorry, to Webb, excuse me, to Webb. In Dublin, in Dublin, Richard Webb and Douglas um, clashed on several occasions because in a way they were quite similar. They were independent. They were single, single-minded. Web, they had a vision. Web well, we've being had that publisher. Webb being the publisher. Webb being the publisher of his Irish na- narrative, a Quaker and staunch um, abolitionist. So Douglas clashed with him, and we have, we have spoken about that. And Webb wrote quite some quite nasty snippy things about Douglas back to America back to Maria Chapman in particular and said things like I have never seen anyone to take such offense at the slightest opportunity um he at, at another stage said I wonder how he's going to manage he's being petted so much by the ladies now he wasn't the only one to say that so I think that this concept of being petted was um was, was something that would have been said as part of their lingo at the time it would have um and they put, but it was written back to, to America about Douglas. However, Isabel Jennings provides another perspective to Douglas's character in that she said on one occasion in her correspondence to America that she found that Douglas had no problem if fault was found with him, so long as you didn't assume that he was in the wrong. In other words, so long as you were able to justify your accusation he had no difficulty being criticized he also said that privately he was very popular and very well liked she found him to be very excellent and she maintained that that they that they would become firm friends so much so that in some years later she wrote of Douglas that she saw him as a brother mm. She, that they they communicate on the level of brother and sister, mm-hmm. so she saw that as a very close relationship. Mm-hmm. So his relationship with, with with Isabel Jennings and the Jennings family in general was very positive. He 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 had um, a long term friend in Isabel Jennings, um, and she they provided a, a kind of a stable, um, challenging, friendly house for him to stay in when he was in Cork. And was it in
0: Cork where he he says I am no longer
1: a slave. He said that in that letter he he wrote that in the letter dated the end of December, the first January, when he was leaving Ireland oh. en route to the British Isles. Oh. He wrote that thing. Oh okay. So it's as he was leaving. Okay. The country that he wrote that, as really? he looked back he said um, he, uh,
0: even though he, his freedom had not been fought but no but but the way he was treated in ireland yeah. was so profound that he could say that and, yes. because he has felt his freedom
1: yeah that was it was like the summation of his trip to ireland mm-hmm. where he, he made that powerful analogy where he said and um, that the, the slave becomes a man i am no longer a chattel the slave becomes a man mm. Mm-hmm. So that's where he found, as Lee Jenkins has said, the, the complement to his cell phone. Wow.
2: Frederick Douglass was among the most famous Americans of his day, an internationally renowned author, orator, and statesman whose words and deeds helped shape the modern United States. His journey began in Talbot County, Maryland, which honors his legacy with the Frederick Douglass Park on the Tuckahoe. Other locations throughout Talbot County commemorate his birth, childhood, and return trips as an adult, during which he was hailed as a hero. Visit frederickdouglasbirthplace.org to begin your exploration of his life. You'll find free historical information and the full texts of all three of his autobiographies. Driving tours through small towns and the countryside help you follow in the footsteps of one of the most significant figures of the 19th century. Douglas once said, what is possible for me is possible for you. To celebrate that possibility, plan a trip to scenic Talbot County, Maryland, which welcomes travelers to experience more than 600 miles of coastline. Go to frederickdouglasbirthplace.org. Now,
1: while he was in Cork, he met another very interesting person, and that's Father Theobald Matthew. Now, Father Theobald Matthew is one of the most important figures in in Irish social history, to my mind, because he led the temperance movement. Now, just a little bit of background on Father Matthew. Father Matthew, Theobald Matthew was his name. He was from, he was, his family was from County Tipperary, originally from Wales. They were um, landed gentry, Catholics, but there was also a Protestant branch to the family. So, an interesting thing about Father Theobald Matthew is that he found it very easy to move in Protestant and Catholic circles. Mm. He found it very easy to move in very wealthy circles. But when he became, when he was ordained a Capuchin priest, he was an incredibly hard worker, revered by the poor, generous to a fault, um, and just had the singular vision of taking care of his people. And the Capuchin order... Is a mendicant order, so they're very humble. Very, yeah. yeah. So they they depended on the goodwill and alms of others, and he he was, he had no difficulty in going through the lanes and alleyways of Cork where people lived in abject poverty and taking care of people during outbreaks of cholera, disease, poverty, starvation. Um, he had no difficulty with with any of that, and one of he identified. He saw t- intemperance as a huge challenge to Ireland and a huge cause of poverty in Ireland. Now, <clears throat> there was um, a Quaker Martin in Cork, and he, along with some other of reform- the reform, the names that you would come across in the abolitionist circles, they also set up the temperance a temperance society, which gained its own strength amongst certain groups amongst certain religious groups in Cork. However, they could not find an access point to the Catholic population. So they spoke to Father Theobald Matthew, asked him to become part of the group and to advocate for temperance with them. And he did. He was hugely successful. He, he, he established a routine whereby you would um, take a pledge where you would promise not to drink alcohol, for the rest of your life. He would bless you. You would get a little um, card. And you would get a medal. Which would pinch your collar. And what started as a small movement. Of just local people taking the pledge. And promising not to drink anymore. Became a national movement. Where t- Father Matthew travelled around the country. Speaking to enormous groups of people. Giving, t- giving the pledge to enormous groups of people. And so much so that two of his brothers, who owned distilleries, their businesses closed. <laughs> the volumes of drink drank around the country dropped. The crime rate dropped. Now it, that also dropped for other reasons, but the rise of the temperance movement is one of the factors that led to the drop in the crime rate. And and just as a way of understanding in context,
0: the years how does this figure in with the great famine
1: <clears throat> just before the great famine okay yeah so you're talking about the end of the 30s the 1830s the start of the 1840s mm-hmm. that was the height of the temperance movement in ireland okay he was known to be a very poor speaker he was not an orator like in the in the form in the, in the manner of douglas or o'connell he was actually quite a poor speaker but he had an incredible presence and the mission that he brought with him, the Temperance mission, resonated with the bulk of the population. They took the pledge. A lot of people backs there was a there was a, a lot of backsliding as well, where people broke their pledge. But there was enough of a hold in the population that um it became a very important part of the Irish landscape. Daniel O'Connell was very quick to take advantage of the Temperance movement in Ireland as well, because Daniel O'Connell organised monster meetings where huge hundreds of thousands of people, where well, thousands of people came together to hear O'Connell speak. Now, that could not have happened if intemperance still reigned. But because of the rise of the temperance movement, it then made it easier for these large groups of people to come together, hear O'Connell, and then spend and go about their business without any trouble. Um, and that was a very important part in, in, in motivating the Irish to a cause, to a common cause, and working together to a common cause. Well,
0: I think we need to enunciate
1: here that Douglas,
0: I think Douglas says, if you fight for one cause, you fight for the all causes. And because these people were so electric and people gravitated towards these men as leaders... Douglas would have piggybacked on to Matthew, even if he it wasn't even interested in the temperance calls, just by how much he attracted followers.
1: Yes, but it, <clears throat> Douglas initially didn't quite feel that way because initially he did not want to have to speak um, at all the meetings, apart from the anti slavery meetings. But he quickly discovered in Dublin that if he wanted to be heard, he would have to start Somewhere, and he started his first meeting was at a temperance meeting where he spoke. His first meeting in Cork was a temperance meeting where he spoke. So, even though he only wanted to speak on anti-slavery, he didn't particularly like the message being diluted or distracted by other topics. He quickly realised that he had to speak on temperance if he wanted to get an audience. Now, Father Matthew um, met Douglas. Douglas took the pledge from Father Matthew. Um, but he didn't drink anyhow, did he? He did. Oh, he did. But I think, I, I would wonder actually, had he stopped drinking before he came to Ireland? But out of respect for the, for Father Matthew and out of respect for the temperance idea, he took the pledge from Father Matthew. And Father Matthew organised a breakfast in Douglas's honour in Cork City, um, which Douglas attended and spoke at. Was that at the Imperial Hotel? I think it was, yes.
0: Okay. You can cut that bit out. Yeah. Um, Anne, what long-lasting effects did Matthew, Father Matthew have on Frederick Douglass?
1: It validated the importance of the temperance message. Um, <clears throat> it acted as um, a means of communicating with the Catholic Irish, who would not normally have been very involved with the abolitionist circle, they would have attended the meetings, but it was another um, means of um, a line of communication with the Catholic Irish. And Douglas hoped that it would also be a line of communication with the Irish in America and that they might begin to stand with the abolitionists. However, that's not how it worked out. And when Father Matthew visited America, uh, he stayed there for two years from 1849 to 1851. Um, Father Matthew disappointed Douglas Mm -hmm. on that matter. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Now, Matthew didn't go to America for abolition. He went to America because he was in very poor health and he was told the warm weather would help him, Mm -hmm. would help him regain his strength. He went there to reconnect with the Irish in America and try and advocate for temperance again. And he also went there to raise funds because he was heavily in debt. Though he was a terrific, um, though he had an amazing vision, and gave gave the pledge to so many thousands of Irish people, and helped people to reevaluate their position, um, he was in, he was hopeless as a financial advisor, or hopeless when handling money, and he was very heavily in debt. The medals actually cost a lot of money, money that he did not have. So, if we could conclude then, what would
0: you say about the people in Cork that so impressed Frederick Douglass?
1: In general, Mm -hmm. again, it was a continuation of the Dublin message. The fact that here in Cork, again, he travelled around the countryside, um, he met people, he spoke spoke in the different churches, Mm. he spoke in the Wesleyan Church, he spoke in the courthouse, he had a big meeting in the courthouse um he spoke um, he spoke in the Imperial he spoke in in hotels he spoke to increasingly large groups of people. Um, they were very happy to come and hear him speak. Uh, he had he particularly enjoyed his time with the Jennings That is something that he particularly valued and he valued Isabel's friendship um, and um, Isabel forms forms a part of Lee Foxs very recently published book, um, "Women in the Life of Douglas," so um, Isabel was an important part of his life. But it just continues the evolving story of Douglas the man finding his own self mm-hmm. and acting as an independent agent, even though he was depending on the kindness of strangers. But he was still an independent, independent agent. And I think it's that letter that he wrote at the end of his trip as he was sailing from Ireland to England, or just before he sailed. That idea is carried in that letter.
0: Quite beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. Please go to my website, carlisleschesapeake.com to hear more in our series about Frederick Douglass. This podcast is brought to you by Talbot County, Maryland, the birthplace of Frederick Douglass. Visit frederickdouglassbirthplace.org to begin your journey into his life. Driving tours, history, and Douglass in his own words at frederickdouglassbirthplace.org.